Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks and this week's edition comes from the Edinburgh TV Festival in the UK, where the country's tele-industry goes under the microscope and an agenda-setting speech is delivered by a leading industry figure in the annual James McTaggart Memorial Lecture. This year's keynote came from Dorothy Byrne, Head of News and Current Affairs at the UK's commercially funded public service broadcaster Channel 4, who, in her own words, became the first old lady to deliver the speech in 44 years. Punchy was the word most commonly used to describe the brutally funny and honest speech in the hours after it was made on Tuesday night. Byrne certainly pulled no punches, rounding on sexist bastards in the TV business, politicians such as Prime Minister Boris Johnson for his refusal to conduct TV interviews, and diversity initiatives that fail to get to the root of why the UK TV industry still fails to represent non-white and disabled people. Another point Byrne made that resonated with many delegates in Edinburgh was the need to keep women in the workplace after they have children and reach the menopause, with more needing to be done to raise awareness around menopausal symptoms. Once the dust had settled, I caught up with some delegates to discuss some of the key talking points to emerge out of the speech. First off, here's Ali Bailey, Director of Strategy and Development at Directors UK, the industry body representing over 7,000 TV and film directors, whose research Byrne cited when she said the industry remains dominated by posh boys. Dorothy referenced our most recent reports into the underrepresentation of uh, women in directing, but also um, BAME directors as well. And it's something we've been looking at sort of in depth for the last three to five years. Um, and I think what we found is many of the trends and patterns that directors experience in terms of hiring practices and the industry sort of dynamics are the same for you know women and BAME um, talent across sort of all the professions as well. So um, I think it's a quite a useful comparator when you're kind of drawing um, people's attention to what's going on in the industry. And there was an interesting um, quote that she said in terms of when you change who's making TV, you make the t- you change the TV itself. Um, so how how far away from kind of you know accurate representation are we at the moment? Uh, it's an interesting one because it's, it's sort of that's controversial in itself where people kind of feel that sometimes you don't necessarily have to be um, be what you're representing but equally there was a huge lack of diversity that's still to be challenged um, I think it's one of those things that feels a bit like a trope that everyone says you know we're slowly getting there but I think I think there are some sort of key figures within the industry who can make some very bold changes very, very quickly and lead from the front. I think sometimes some of the stuff they do with, um, you know, looking at commissioner roles and and the diversity within that can be really powerful. But I think, as Dorothy sort of cited, initiatives and schemes uh, and, you know, short-lived interventions are likely to lead to repetition as she's kind of you know joked about is this the is this the recent scheme or is this one we're talking about that was three years ago it's about doing something systemic which you know is really about making this mainline business you know it's your business practice it's not a bolt-on thing where you kind of think about diversity retrospectively you need to put it into the way that you go about commissioning production um, you know story creation and representing a range of perspectives and, and experiences and in terms of um, the McTaggart and the overall the kind of takeaways that you you got mm. from it um, what were some of the, the headlines for you oh gosh right um, I think I think really, I mean, you know, the underlying message was about the democratic process and the the amazing role that television and TV content and screens have to play in 
really kind of preserving it, saving it, making it fit for the future. Um, I thought what was really striking is how much our politicians are not interacting with mainstream media and kind of presenting it as um, that's because they feel like they, their message is being skewed and they're sort of tapping into the use of social media, like having uh, you know questions over Facebook, which is actually a lot more controlled and doesn't feel like the journalistic endeavour of kind of really putting that politician, um, their feet on the fire in, in a good way, um, is reaching the electorate anymore. And that, that's, that is worrying. I mean, that is frightening. Um, if we can't do that, then it makes you wonder at what point does that kind of debate take place? Um, so actually it's a real call to arms for us to sort of think about who's asking who the questions and, and whose interests are being represented. And there was also her, um, her discussion about her experience of being sexually assaulted early on in her career, yeah. uh, which, which was also mentioned in last year's McTaggart by Michaela Cole. Um, and obviously, yeah, it's, it's a a kind of tragic commonality of women's experience in this industry um, and in terms of how that uh, how, how she talked about it um, and the kind of reaction that you kind of just had been hearing afterwards how has that been I thought it was really it was incredibly insightful but also done with you know an element of humor which I think really achieves something that's quite rare when you're talking about those issues which is it took the whole room with her and quite often when you're talking um, about you know very uncomfortable situations and where people might feel themselves having acted in those ways maybe or, or have known about it witnessed it and not done anything to be able to sort of convey it in a way that's really powerful doesn't take anything away from it but actually doesn't alienate anybody and makes you take ownership men and women of that um, issue is is a real uh, it's a real trick to do that and I think she really achieved that um, and you know she was brutally honest about that she's experienced her entire career and that you know that certainly for the women directors I've spoken to the vast majority have had some instances some more than others of you know sexism discriminatory behavior harassment um, and you know at the other end of the spectrum sort of abuse in terms of their working environment um, and you shouldn't have to deal with that so I think calling it out is really important and I think what we found in our campaigns as well for sort of women directors is that the noise doesn't equate to action so it's great that people are talking about it and I think what Dorothy did was kind of rally people to sort of say and how are you going to play a part in doing this you know in your own individual way and I think that's vital because actually otherwise it's like everything it can be quite tokenistic everyone comes away feeling that they've done something because they've talked about it but actually it's like what behavior do you see do you take part in do you allow to go on and challenge can you then do something about tomorrow this afternoon whatever it might be so that was you know that's what I took away challenging it when you see it happen yeah yeah I'm feeling able to do that I'm feeling that if you did challenge it that rather than turn around and not see anybody behind you you're kind of turning around and seeing a team of people going yeah that's that's just not what we do anymore that's not acceptable um, I'm feeling positive about that um, and it's, it's that thing about being able to kind of go where's the thin end of the wedge when can I start and just having conversations with people just go I just you know I'd, I'd rather we didn't use the term sweetie which I thought you know again it's like a little thing but it's really powerful because that's the beginning of a process that can lead you know to somewhere you really don't want to go. I also spoke with Deborah Williams CEO of the Creative Diversity Network 
about her main takeaways from Burns' speech. I think following McTaggart, what I liked most about what Dorothy was saying was the fact that she was speaking truth to power. And even though she is power in many senses, um, I think it was a nice reminder for everyone in everyone in the room that it still needs to happen. And it doesn't matter how high the food chain you get, you still it's still something that you need to do. As well as that, I think her conversation about the lack of diversity... I mean, I mean, she did focus on ethnicity in particular, but I, I do think that the, the conversation about the lack of diversity and such an honest um, and such a frank and open representation of where, where the industry is was refreshing to hear because usually people use data to back up their narratives and she actually used data to go, actually, it's just not good enough. Um, and I think, I hope it empowered people to think to think that they could and they can um, approach her and approach their bosses, in theory, to have a discussion about some of the bigger things that they're taught that they're worried about. There was a bit where she mentioned, um, which, you know, all the various schemes that are around in terms of um, encouraging diversity, and yeah, there's lots of them. And um, in terms of where you stand on on how many there are and what 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 the most effective ones are, what would that be? Uh, there are too many and none of them are effective. That's my basic stand, that's where I start. And if you're gonna design a scheme, and I, when I mean a scheme, I mean a scheme that is six months writing program or training or mentoring or any of that stuff, then you have to convince me what the outcome is. Not the output, the outcome. And that's very different. Most of them have an output, which is all just, you know, some people did some things, but what's the outcome of that? What's the impact of that on the industry? How are things going to be different when it ends than when it started? And no one has convinced me about that any, anywhere, not just in this job, in film, when I've worked in film or in the arts, when I've worked in the arts, nothing has convinced me so far. So there are too many of them and none of them work as far as I'm concerned. So kind of being used to kind of paper over the cracks as a kind of quick fix and, a, and a, an easy sound bite that someone can say on stage look this is what we're doing absolutely but also there are members there are people who exist within the diversity you know within diversity community who, who sort of claim to be activists who like those sorts of things as well because it means that they get a chance to do something that they've never had a chance to do and a lot of them are being given a lot of air and a lot of space and a lot of credibility whereas um, you know people who are working um, systematically or consistently or seeking to make change or looking at deeper impact and long-term evaluation are being thrown to the side um, so I think that it's it's not just the you know I'm not just saying the broadcasters or the you know the studios or whoever it's actually a lot of people in the, the diversity space as well it's probably driven by them actually because they'll you know more they're more likely to go yes I'll accept a place on a mentoring mentoring scheme because I get my foot in the door and they know full well that, that that's not going to work so they come out when they come out of it they go oh well what's happening next nothing's happened so they go back and say I want another scheme and that's the process and breaking that process is incredibly difficult because people are set in their ways about that both sides seem to think that they're winning if you constantly make up a scheme and put someone through it and then they don't achieve anything and then you make up another scheme and put someone through it so it's very um, I find that challenging and I find that boring 
Um, there's no imagination, there's no innovation in that. There's no sense that you're going to, you know, in terms of make changes in terms of content, representation. Um, you know, we're looking at the senior levels within the industry as well, across media, whether that's broadcasting, um, print media, print journalism, news, um, current affairs, whatever it is, you know, the senior levels are astonishingly stale and they just have no idea um, of, of what they could tapping into because the focus is so narrow and the dominant narrative um, approach is is sort of accepted as this is okay we, we can do okay with this we can sail by and and get by with this yeah we can sit on a stage and say yeah look what we did for lucy brown academic leader and founder and director of trailblazing women on and off screen burns discussion of sexist bosses the lack of older women in the industry and her experience of the menopause was particularly refreshing. One of the things she was talking about is, you know, a quarter of women are affected by the menopause. That's, you know, it's huge amounts of, of, of women and it's unspoken. Um, and really what would help is having flexible working conditions so that we retain these amazing, talented women in our industry that at the moment, you know, it's unsaid, but people are leaving. And, you know, she was, she said she was one of the oldest women in the industry because people just disappear and uh, she made it you know she made some fantastic jokes really so it sort of hits it home of you know um, I think she's talking about Agatha, Agatha Christie and you know where are the women has she been sort of you know getting rid of them herself so she was she was entertaining but she was also you know really resonated and hit home that something has to be done um, it's fantastic to hear a lot more about um, you know the other spectrum of kind of mothers returning or not just mothers but mothers fathers returning to the industry and the being flexible working conditions but it's ultimately women that still hold that caring role and when they have to look after um, their parents at the other end um, you know their career is being affected and it doesn't have to be so and for for Dorothy to to speak out um, and blast the industry for the sort of sexism that's um, really institutional uh, was was great to hear. Because yeah if if there's any um point of the McTaggart it's to introduce you know tangible change so something like that a, a, a kind of an initiative that focuses on women when they're going through the menopause can you see that actually coming in at some point yeah sure I mean I think people don't want to speak about it it's, it really is an unsaid thing unless comedians are sort of joking about it or you're having a hot flush or whatever it might be but you know it should be normalised and I know there's a lot of people who are starting to do things like that so Kirsty Walk and um, some other presenters have started to talk about it and it's making it um, you know people are it's, it's really important that women are starting those conversations but it does affect everyone and so being able to talk to your boss and say look you know I'm not ill it's not a fever it's actually a perfectly normal natural part of every woman's life but you know what would make it easier uh, while while this is particularly intense whatever it might be is could I you know have some flexibility work from home or whatever it might be uh, and I think it's not just about the menopause but also that understanding that women often take on the burden of um, responsibilities of looking after uh, of people uh, you know sort of their parents or, or what have you at an older age as well and so really just sort of saying okay what can we do to enable um, people to retain you know retain people in the workforce that we don't have to lose them they have so much to offer uh, we look around and we see so many um, men of a certain age but we certainly don't see women and that's a shame and do you think that would have a knock-on effect in terms of the programming that gets commissioned and made 
Absolutely, because the latest Ofcom um, research even shows that women there is a total lack of women of a certain age. And if you do see women of a certain age, they're often in a dressing gown or nagging or shouting. So it's real sort of, you know, stereotypes. Um, and women are getting really fed up with that. You know, they don't want to see those images. And it's exciting, actually, the potential and the women coming up that are going, actually, that's not representative of who we are. We're not going to be like that. And it's interesting in terms of the conversation all around um, women's representation on screen. Uh, certain programmes get held up and kind of... I'm thinking of Fleabag and Killing Eve as kind of, you know, um, shows that previously were lacking on TV. Um, but they, they, get, they kind of get the microscope put on them so much that that... that, um, that that blocks out other kinds of programs, you know, focusing on different kinds of women. Um, to what degree is is that a, a problem in the business? Do you think? Yeah, well, I think this is the this sort of links with diversity generally. Is I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Because women are half the population, but it's, they're still almost talked about as a underrepresented group because weirdly they are, especially if you're older, you know, women over 40, over 50 in particular. But, you know, this is a crazy system. You know, one woman's journey can't represent a whole half a population. So, you know, we do have to change the way that we're thinking about these things and allow for more than one you know successful story happy valley or whatever it might be there need to be there need to be more examples of that um and you know you don't ask you don't even question uh, you know a certain type of older man detective story or whatever it might be and say okay we've already got that you know it's not even brought up so it shouldn't really be for women finally i caught up with sam barcroft ceo of barcroft studios to discuss the points Byrne made about the role TV needs to play in preserving democracy. So the aim of any McTaggart is to kind of set the agenda and shine some light on something that isn't being discussed or, or needs to be discussed more. Um, in terms of uh, Dorothy Byrne's McTaggart last night, Sam, what did you make of it? Well, I certainly thought it achieved that aim. Um, I thought that Dorothy's evisceration of the current political comms world was um, brilliant and not just because it was accurate and uh, on the mark but because it was based up with solid boring facts and um, clear intelligent um, points of view uh, from somebody who's been there seen it and done it um, and I just felt it was just a really welcome considered thesis on a real danger in our public life today, which is journalists escaping any kind of, um, sorry, politicians escaping any kind of serious journalism um, and interrogation of their work and of their um, objectives. And yeah, she, she kind of framed that in the idea that there's a very likely scenario that there's going to be a general election, election coming up. Prime Minister Boris Johnson managed to avoid, any, you know, she described him as being invisible in the run-up to him being um, nominated as the and winning the Conservative leadership. Do you see that? Agree that that's definitely a real danger with the the general election. Well, I think what Boris Johnson did wasn't be invisible; was to be entirely visible, but in, but on mute. <laughs> Dominic Cummings managed to uh, press a mute button on pretty much anything he said in public for a long period of time. And with Bojo, you used to be able to doorstep him. 
and he would often give you something um, if you doorstepped him. But now he's got uh, met, met police looking after him. No one can physically get anywhere near him, so he can't even doorstep him anymore. So it is a massive problem. Um, and I think that Dorothy just brought it to life in practical terms, you know, and with somebody that's got the context of a long... Uh, period in a senior position at Channel 4 she can, it's much more interesting coming from her because she can explain it in context and I think that's where it's valuable um, when we look back in history and see a big change um, in political comms and in the way we cover that as journalists we really need the wisdom of people like Dorothy to be able to explain so articulately and clearly and passionately or dispassionately really in a way um, that um, things have changed, the game's changed and I think um, there's a big challenge for those of us that uh, publish and produce which is how do we rewrite our rules because if they've rewritten their rules there's no point moaning about it, we've got to do something about it really and I think I hope this is a clarion call to um, other people in positions of influence to work out how we take our game up a level. There's no point just sitting around feeling sorry for ourselves. And another point she made was that mediums like the pod, like podcasts have uh, taken over from TV in, in terms of being the place where very intelligent people tackle very challenging issues and really um, grapple with the, the rifts that are in society rather than TV, which she more or less said it was kind of dumbed down and, and wasn't the place for to see big issues being tackled. How much do you think that was a, a fair criticism? Well, it's really it's a bit odd as a producer to have the TV execs telling you that TV isn't doing very well. Because <laughs> you're kind of sitting there thinking, you're my hero, Dorothy. You're, you've got the position at, well, near the top of one of these institutions. Maybe you should be talking to your bosses about that rather than talking to the rest of the world about your frustrations. But I think it's helpful that she's confident enough in her own ability to be able to call out the problems um, in television. I think that um, there is a lot of amazing television being made across current affairs and topical documentary. But I don't think it's... I think... Edinburgh Festival is full of people that think television is probably more important than it actually is anymore, you know, and, and there's a shared responsibility in society to sort this shit out. It's not, television is not the be-all and end-all. As much as people want to throw up slides at festivals saying, people still care about television, of course they do, but they care about a lot of other things as well. Why can't music help sort this shit out? Why can't, um, you know, uh, community action help? You know, there's a lot, it's a big spread, and I think TV sometimes thinks itself more important than it actually is uh, and, and I think certainly for the new generation they won't be looking to television to solve these problems um, and I think television should try its best to help solve the problems and it does have a high trust rating especially amongst older people but I think the next generation won't feel that telly has a civil uh, duty to help do it in quite the way that the generation our current generation probably do. And to end here's director UK's Ali Bailey who we heard from earlier on that same point about whether UK programme makers need to step up to the plate. I can only talk about the experience of what I watch, which obviously I create, create myself, so that's a sort of a skewed version of uh, what's out there. But I feel that the contentious issues are not being gone into in the way that they might have done previously. I think there's a, it's almost like a fear factor. Um, and it's that balance between you know people saying PC's gone mad um, and not wanting to offend. Um, and I suppose it extends into sort of cultural and social debates where universities aren't having certain people talk about certain issues. Um, I believe that it's really important that we hear about things that make us uncomfortable within within the, obviously the parameters of what's legal and, you know, um, in that in that sense. But 
you know that's how you avoid the echo chambers you don't just listen to your own views um, because none of us benefit in that way we don't we don't grow we don't grow our own position even if we maintain it by just listening to the same kind of thing and so that extends to this kind of tv that you watch and what you're consuming um, and so it is interesting that it's moving across to audio and I, I wonder what that's about um, I wonder if that's about sort of the, the editorial freedom or the you know the regulation or um, just consumption patterns and how accessible it is. I mean, the other thing about TV content, I guess, is that it requires a certain amount of concentration, which I know when I was talking to him about radio, you know, it's the friend in the room that you can kind of have on, you can dip into and dip out of. And I guess podcasts, you can you can be doing other things, you can commute, I mean, you can you can watch, but it's not quite that sort of. Um, in sort of engrossing experience that, that that audio maybe seems to be tapping into at the moment. Mm-hmm. I suppose TV, in that sense, TV needs to kind of package it in a different way that's slightly more accessible and easy to digest. Yeah, and I think that the, well, the other thing that I've heard consistently throughout um, many of the sessions is you know this thing about big ideas that people don't want things dumbed down. You know, they are dipping into audio for specialist kind of exploration of complex ideas. They don't want things to be watered down. You know. And I think you're right. It's about TV finding a way of packaging that up. That's that's you know they could can be found. It's accessible. It can be digested in you know whatever size chunks are needed for that audience at that time. So I think experimenting with formats is really really key at the moment. The aim of any McTaggart lecture is to set the agenda and shine a light on issues that need to be discussed far more. So Byrne can certainly consider it a case of job well done this year. That's all we have time for on this week's podcast, but be sure to stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on Twitter and on mobile. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 